All right, let's go to Mark chapter 2. Let me take a recap uh, as we start. So, so what we've been looking at in chapter 1, um, we saw that Mark is really building on the fact that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He heals the sick. He, ra- he, he uh, cast out demons. I mean, we see it's so powerful. When we get to chapter 2, he's continuing on to show the authority of Jesus. But what we see in chapter 2 is the beginning of these five stories. And with each one of these events, there is conflict now. And the conflict just continues with each one. It escalates. So when we saw the first part about the healing and forgiving of the paralytic that is described, and if you look at verses 6 and 7, it says they were thinking. They, they were thinking about Jesus. He's blaspheming, okay? They're not saying it, but they're thinking it, and Jesus knows what they're thinking. And then last week we saw he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. And, and this time the scribes, they go to Jesus' disciples, and they say, why is your master doing this? Why is he eating with, with tax collectors and sinners? So they go from thinking, now they're speaking. And then we saw with his disciples, they're not fasting. And it's, it's the crowds. And the crowds approach Jesus. They come to him and say, why aren't your disciples fasting like John's and, and like the Pharisees? Uh, and so each one of these, we just see this continual escalation. So let's, uh, let's look in our text. Somebody read for us verses 23 through 24. Okay. So here is the fourth story. They are plucking grain on Sabbath. Jesus' disciples. Now, most world religions have a sacred place. Um, Islam, what, what is the sacred place for Islam? Anybody know? Yeah, Mecca. What about Hinduism? That was a little harder. The Gangs River. What about Judaism? What's the sacred place? Jerusalem. Uh, or we could be even more specific and say the temple. And even today, even though this, this wall is there, this, this is still that sacred place. But Judaism also has time that is sacred. And, and this, this uh, there's... There's different things you could look at, but here, one of the sacred times is Sabbath day. Now, I want to turn over to Exodus. I know we read through Exodus as a church, wasn't too long ago. Go over to Exodus 20. Does anyone know uh, where this, this idea of Sabbath comes from? Do what? Seven, okay, yes, the seventh day. Um, but we also see it comes right out of the Ten Commandments, right? God gives the Ten Commands. This is the covenant that he makes with Israel. And if you look at verse 8, what does it say? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it what? Holy, okay. It's a holy day. But you keep reading, it says, Six days you shall labor and do all work. But the seventh day is a day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. This is what the Sabbath is. It's a time where you you rest from work. 
And notice what he says. He says, you and your son and your daughter and your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner who is within your gates, so even a, even a foreigner. And then we see where all of this draws from. Does anyone know where it draws out of? Creation. Isn't that surprising? How many times have we said everything just kind of goes back to Genesis 1 through 3? And here in verse 11 he says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Now let me ask you this. Is this when the command was first given, was the Ten Commandments? Is this when they first followed Sabbath? I'll give you a hint, no, but does anyone know what the event was where Sabbath was first instituted? Go back to chapter 16. This is when manna fell from heaven. You remember, what was the command about the manna? Do you remember? Yeah, they were supposed to gather enough on the sixth day because they were not to gather on the seventh day. In fact, if you go down to verse 22 of 16, on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each, and when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So he says, bake what you will bake, and, and boil, and, and what you will boil, and all that is left over, um, lay aside and is to be kept until the morning. So this was first instituted when they just get out into the wilderness, right? And this was, this was an important time. Now we struggle to understand the full impact of really our text because, and, and in worship I'm going to try to bring us into the tension of the moment, but we just weren't raised that way, right? We just, we were not raised that this was, this was something uh, that was of sacred. Go over to chapter 31. I want to show you something else. Because I want you to see just how important um, this was. So verse 12 he says, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all you shall keep my Sabbaths. Wow, above all. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because, why? It's holy. It's holy for you. Everyone who profanes it, what does he say? Will be put to death. Whoa. All right. Well, let's go over to the book of Numbers. And then, I'm gonna, then we'll go back to our text. Numbers chapter 15. You go down to verse 32, listen to this. While the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath. And those who found him gathered sticks, found him gathering sticks, brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him in custody because it had not been made clear what should be done to him. And the Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. And all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death 
with stones as the Lord commanded. Now, among the Jews, what would you say are their two most sacred laws? Of course, Sabbath was one of them. What was the other sacred ritual? Somebody said it, I think. What? No. What? Circumcision. Circumcision. Hopefully I spelled this correctly. So these were sacred cows, right? These were, these were sacred to them. If you were a Jew, how would you feel about these laws? They would be, yeah, they need to be kept. They're sacred. And, and you get the idea from what we just read how serious this was. I mean, even the death penalty was to be placed. All right, so what are two of our sacred rituals? Think in terms of rituals for us today as believers. Okay, baptism. What else? Communion. Yeah. So, put yourself in, in this idea of the Jews. Um, if Jesus were referring to baptism or communion, and even that, even as we, these are sacred. These are, hey, thus saith the Lord's here. Um, but we've never killed anybody or stoned anyone who, well, they just didn't take communion, right? Or they didn't, they didn't take it in a way we thought was appropriate or whatever. So even that shows the seriousness of this, this Sabbath. Now, by the time of Christ, there were all of these other laws that surrounded Sabbath laws. So they made Sabbath laws around the Sabbath law, okay? And probably the most strict were the Essenes, and they were out in Qumran. And thanks to the Dead Sea Scrolls, we, need, we know some of the things that they really, that they taught, such as, and these are definitely not an exhausted list, but just to show you how strict it was, parents cannot carry their children on Sabbath. People cannot help an animal give birth on Sabbath. People cannot rescue an animal from a ditch. So, so they were very strict. And even as strict as they were at Qumran, um, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, they were not quite as strict, but they still had these very strict rules around Sabbath. And these are found in the Mishnah. The Mishnah is the, these oral uh, traditions that had been given and these categories of everything and every, uh, so forth. Um, but they would say tying or loosening a permanent knot on the Sabbath was, was a violation. Sewing one, more than one stitch, writing more than one letter on Sabbath then that was a violation. Now we look at those and we think, well, that's just ridiculous. Um, but let me ask you something. Why did they have all of these laws surrounding the one law? Why do you think they did this? Because that's sacred. Okay, we need to understand why we do what we do. Okay, because it helps us to understand ourselves a little bit. Helps me to understand me. And when there's something that is sacred, and this one has a death penalty, um, we, want, we want to know, right? Uh, just tell me what I need to do. Or tell me what I can't do. 
So Jesus and the disciples, really, they would have violated two um, traditions. One, it, it comes out of, of the Qumran, uh, actually the, the, the Damascus Cairo uh, transcript that we find in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and one of those was walking more than 1,999 paces. And I looked that up, it's about half a mile. And so what they said was that that's considered a journey, and, and, and going on a journey on the Sabbath is a violation. So they, they got it down to exactly how much a journey was. Okay. Now, the Pharisees don't bring that up, but they do bring up one that they believed in. Uh, and that is the fact that they're plucking these ears of grain. And this was, uh, this was found in, in the Mishnah, uh, and they considered it as reaping. Now, Exodus 34 says, Six days you will work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and harvest you shall rest. And by the way, Sabbath day was not just for, for man. It was also a rest for the land. Even the land was to have rest. Okay? So what they said was, all right, well, what does that mean to harvest? And so they came up with these rules. Now, we look at this, and the, Jesus and his disciples go through, and they're plucking these heads of grain in someone's field, and what are we thinking? They're stealing. You know, it's like people go to the grocery store. They go to the grape section. They pull out a handful of grapes. They're not getting grapes. But they pull out a handful of grapes, and they're going to eat those grapes as they go, that's stealing. That's stealing. And so we look at that, and we say, well, they're stealing. Well, not really. Because the law of Moses allowed people to go through, and actually, you just can't, you just can't take a, you know, a farming utensil and get big chunks, okay? But going by and getting a few grapes was okay. So, so we need to understand, um, understand the issue. So they, they put this in there, and they said this type of thing uh, in these categories that they had, that this would have been wrong. The Pharisees saw themselves as the, as the religious police of the day. Okay? All right, so now let's keep going. Somebody read for us verses 25 and 26. And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in, in need and was hungry, and he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? Okay, David pulls out... He pulls out the big guns here. He pulls out the national hero, David. Does anybody remember the story that he's alluding to in 1 Samuel 21? Anybody know, remember the story? Oh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. So this was before... David was King David, and King Saul was on the throne, and he's trying to kill him. And it's like Mike said, he runs to the priest, and what he runs to is the tabernacle, which was at Nob at the particular time. And he goes to Abathar, and he says, listen, I need bread. And, and Abathar says, well, the only bread I have 
is, is not common bread. All I have is consecrated or holy bread. What bread is he talking about? Yeah, the table of showbread, right? And so every week, 12 loaves representing Israel and the 12 tribes, they, these, were, we, these were baked and they were replaced every Sabbath day. Does anyone know what they did with the bread that came off the table? Who ate it? The priest ate it. And does anyone know where the priest had to eat it? In the holy place. They couldn't even take it. It was for them, and it was to be eaten in the holy place, which is before the presence of Yahweh. And that's why you see it referred to as the bread of the presence. All right, would you say that bread's pretty sacred? Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that's, that is a very sacred thing. And so you would think the Pharisees would have a problem with what David did, but they didn't. You know why? Because the scriptures show that God had no problem with this. So David is an ancestor of, da of Jesus. He is a type of the Messianic king. His authority justifies his actions. Jesus is not just any ordinary person. He, too, is the anointed of God. David was the anointed of God. He's not just any average person that is out there. So what he says, it is important. Especially if it's, not, especially if it's something over uh, something of need. So if the strict regulations regarding the bread of presence could be set aside for a fleeing David, how much more for Jesus and his disciples? And by the way, it was David and his men, but Jesus and his disciples to be able to eat and take grain on the Sabbath day. It didn't matter what the laws were because here we have, um, here we have Jesus and we're going to see that Mark is going to present Jesus as David's Lord when we can come into chapter 12. And he is bringing in the eternal kingdom. Remember? He's bringing the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. What kingdom? It's the one that God spoke about to David. And he said, your household, your ancestors, you're going to have one who's going to bring forth the eternal kingdom. He's talking about Jesus. And Jesus is the one who's there. And he's He's bringing in what this covenant was with David. And, and the prophets spoke about this. I'll give you an example. Jeremiah says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king, and he will deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Jesus cites David's, David's uh, violation of Torah as a precedent, not as an excuse. So he invites the religious leaders and he invites us to see the comparison of himself and Israel's greatest king. This is going to happen several other times in Mark, but I want us to keep going. Some I read for us verses 27 and 28.
Amen. Yes, absolutely. Jesus clarifies this relationship. Okay? Um, whoops. I got all tangled up. Sorry, Mike. Well, we're going to work it. Uh, so, he's, he's showing us this relationship between the Jews, or we're just going to say humanity. He says man and Sabbath, right? So what does he say? He says man was not made for Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. Now that's different. In other words, the law was not intended to control man. The law was intended to bless man. And see, that, that's where there's a big difference in what we use as, as say, as law, and when we say something is, is instruction, the wisdom of God. So that's what it was intended to. It was, a ble- it was to bless humanity and to enhance uh, their well-being. Um, I once asked, his name is Joseph Shulam, thank you by the way, uh, Joseph Shulam, he is a Messianic Jew, lives in Jerusalem, he teaches there, he has a ministry there, he speaks at uh, Lipscomb every year, and I heard him a couple of years ago, I went to all of his, his classes, they were fantastic, and afterwards I, I went up to him, one of the classes, and I talked to him for a little bit, and I said, look, I said, have we Gentiles messed this thing up? Are, are we supposed, should we be keeping the Sabbath? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, no, but you would be a fool not to. What was he saying? Well, what, was he, what was, he was saying is a gift. It's not intended as a burden. It's something that that God gave as a gift. Think about Israel. When they came out into the wilderness, and then God tells them, hey, on the seventh day, I want you to rest. What had their life been like before they even came out into the wilderness? It was awful. They were slaves. They worked them every day. Do you think it was a blessing to hear? Do you think... Do you think we, in our human forms, our humanity, that we need a day of rest? Yeah. So in giving Sabbath, he's not giving something that was supposed to be a burden. He's giving something that was supposed to be a blessing. Okay? You see that. Um, So it's a gift. It's not an obligation. Now, putting all of this together, and if you want to write something down, this is good to write down when it comes to this passage. The priority of human needs outweighs the need to conform to ritual formalities. The priority of human needs outweighs the need to conform to ritual formalities. The Pharisees believe the disciples of Jesus should just do without. They should just be hungry. And Jesus said, no, that's, the intent is not to make people miserable. Uh, These people were doing the ministry of God. They were carrying the good news. 
to say, you know what, you should just go hungry. He looks at that and he says, that's a narrow interpretation of Sabbath. That was not its intent. Did you notice Jesus also uses the title Son of Man? Do you see that? Where did we hear Son of Man before? Second time he uses it. Last week, right? Or the week before, maybe it was the week before. And, and what do we say this is connected to? Son of Man. Come on. Come on. It's a dream. Yeah, Daniel, remember Daniel had this crazy dream? And, and there's this throne that comes down. There's, there's two thrones, and, and Yahweh sits on one. And then, later, you know, and there's all these, these mutant beasts and everything else. And finally, the Son of Man comes riding on the clouds. He is God, but he is also man. It means human one. And he's the one that is, is coming. He is given dominion and authority. Remember all of that? Just so powerful. Well, guess what? The Son of Man, he's in charge of the Sabbath. He dictates Sabbath. Okay, so Sabbath was really set up in the garden, right? By God. So Jesus is putting himself in the place of God. And as the Son of Man, he is also looking out for humanity but he is God and 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 I think really that's a that's a big point of what we find here and, and let me say this I get up and down um, so the Sabbath verse 27 is the principle um, the Sabbath it was made for man right so that is a principle that is given there in verse 27 the authority for the principle comes in the next verse. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the Son of Man. He has the authority to say Sabbath is made for man. That's why that principle works. Okay? So God's purpose is to establish in Torah. Um, establish in Torah can only be recovered in the Lordship of Christ. All right, we have things that are sacred to us. And we have those because we want to do right. It's not that we're trying to control people. It, this is, look, it is, right? I mean, we, we laugh at some of these things with Sabbath. And, we can, and I believe the first century church would have laughed at some of the things we do. But the fact of the matter is we do those things because something's sacred to us. So that's why it's important to get in these Gospels so that they can be seen through Jesus, through his lordship. And even when we get to Acts and we go through Revelation, all of that has to be seen through the Lordship of Jesus in helping us to understand, because it's difficult we got, we, to, in order to pull back a lot of those things. Okay, let's keep going. Somebody read chapter 3. Can you believe it? We're in chapter 3. Somebody read verses 1 and 2. Okay, so here's our fifth story. Healing on Sabbath. Let me ask you this. 
when you look at those two verses, what was the intent of the Pharisees, their true intent? Was it about guarding Sabbath at this point? They want to nail him. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly um, uh, what we find here. And um, now here's something interesting. Is this the first time Jesus healed on Sabbath? No. You go back, the very first miracle, we forget about this, but the very first miracle in chapter 1 where Jesus is in the synagogue on Sabbath and he cast out the demon, that was on Sabbath. Was anything said then? No. Now they're saying all of these things because they're looking for something. They're looking for, for whatever. They, and it says that they watched him. That means to watch attentively. Listen to this definition. As keeping a record of activities in the mind for later use. You ever met people like that? <laughs> sure. Sure we have. Uh, and, and so... The humanitarian purpose of the law had, had turned into this rule that had gotten away uh, from restoring people's health. And so rather than seeing a miracle to show that Jesus is the Son of Man, Jesus is the Son of God, all they could see is a rule being violated. Rather than seeing a person who had a withered hand, all they could see was a rule that was not being followed. Okay, you see what happens. And it's very easy for this to happen. Um, and it's sad because we talked about the one who came down the heavenly road. And, and we said he, he's the one who comes. And he comes to the weak. Jesus is, this is what Jesus has been doing in the five stories and beyond. He's coming to people. He's showing his tenderness, a shepherd. But they're just missing the whole thing because he's violating a rule. That's, that's the way this thing goes. Now let's talk about the physical problem. It was, his hand was withered. It's an interesting definition in the Greek. I thought I'd look it up. It means to be or become completely free from liquid or moisture, to dry out, to dry up. So we would say his hand was deformed. Okay, that's the way we would put it. It was deformed. And so why was it such a big deal for Jesus to heal this man with a withered hand on the Sabbath? It went against their laws. Uh, it was illegal to set a dislocated foot or hand on the Sabbath day. Uh, they did make exceptions to uh, life and death situations. Okay, for example, if a building collapses and there's people in the building on Sabbath, then you could go, you could go and remove rubble to see if someone is alive or dead. If they're alive, you could pull them out. You could actually administer first aid, but you couldn't do anything to cure them. So let's just say you pull someone out and, and their leg is broken. You can't set that leg, not until after Sabbath. Okay? If they're dead, you don't pull them out at all. You leave them there until after Sabbath. All right, you see this. Um, and this just seems crazy to us. But I'm telling you, I guarantee there's things we do, I do, that it would just seem crazy to them. So a withered hand was obviously not a life-threatening situation, right? So it must wait until Sabbath day passes. So let's see how Jesus responds to this thing. Uh, in verses 3 and 4, he says, And he said to the man with a withered hand, Come here. And he said to him, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life? or to kill, but they were silent. Okay, so Jesus, 
He answers their question with questions. By the way, it's brilliant. Jesus does this all the time. I've tried to do this, and I, I get a little better at it, but then I, I revert back to wanting to, to just defend my position. Jesus is brilliant at asking questions. So there, there's two main questions that, that are being asked here. And, and what was, what's this first one? To do what? To do good or do harm? So which one, he says, on Sabbath, do you think Sabbath is for? Is it, is it a time to do good or is it a time to do harm? Okay. So, in other words, human need creates a moral obligation. Uh, an elderly lady crossing a, a busy highway. Or if there is someone and, and they're in a bad accident and they need, they, they need medical attention, you you take that person, get them medical attention, because we have a moral obligation as humanity, a moral obligation to help someone in their time of need. But now, let's just say it's time, it's getting close to Bible class time, and you're on your way to church. And you see, broken down on the side of the road, there's a lady. Maybe she's got even a couple of small children. Do you stop, or do you say, i got to get to church? Or do we, let's just say here in a moment, we're out in the foyer and it's getting time for worship and you see someone and they're very distraught and you can tell and you go up to them and you talk to them and you realize there's some things going on in their lives. Do you say, listen, um, after church, let's get together. Or do you say, uh, you know what, I'll be praying for you. Or do you stay out and talk with that person and pray with that person and may even miss all of worship because someone has a need. You see, those are the dilemmas that we struggle with because it's like worship is sacred. This is the time we come and it's like God is more important than a person. But God says, listen, I want you to be good to each other. I want you to, to do good. And so when we have an opportunity to do good, oh, that's not it. When we have an opportunity to do good, he says, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. And when he uses the word do harm, that's an interesting word as well. It means to commit an act that is morally wrong. So when you have an opportunity to do good and you don't do good, he says, what you've done is morally wrong. Yeah, it is absolutely sin. The second question is surprising based on the situation. And he says, well, what's better on the Sabbath to save life yeah, or to kill. And we're like, well, wait a second. This man's situation is not a life and death situation. What is Jesus talking about? Jesus isn't talking about this man anymore. Jesus is talking about what they were thinking and how they perceived Jesus at this particular point. Jesus is wanting to uh, do something that is good, and we see that they are ready to destroy Jesus. So watch the last two verses, uh, verses 5 and 6 of this story. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Wow, talk about your grand finale to the five stories. Jesus, he evokes some serious emotions. One of those is anger. 
And if you look that word up, I mean, it's not like a passing anger. It is a feeling of intense anger that does not subside, often on an epic scale. Think in terms of rage. This is how Jesus was feeling. But he also, it says that he was grieved. He's angry at them. He's furious, but he also feels sorry for them. Why does he feel sorry for these people? Why is he angry with these people? What was the issue? What does it say? The hardness of heart. That's a strong word. Stubborn unwillingness. Let me teach. Stubborn unwillingness to learn. What may surprise you is Jesus will use the same word of his own disciples in chapter 6 and also in chapter 8. He doesn't base his mission on the feelings of others. He doesn't base his mission on his standing in the polls. He doesn't do, base his mission based on what's going to happen if he does, does something. And so Jesus heals the man. And he gives him a command. And what is the command? He says, open your hand. And this man has to follow the command. Okay, we can pass over this. But listen, he's sitting there, and there are those Pharisees, and there is Jesus. And he can please the Pharisees, stay in good graces with them by not opening his hand. But if he wants to be healed, he's got to trust Jesus. And by trusting Jesus, he has to open his hand. And if you want to know what real faith looks like, what it is, this is it. And yet, what did the man, the withered man hand say? What did he say? Nothing. Faith is something that he did out of trust in Jesus. So it is an interpretation that puts law over humanity. They are hostile to Jesus, and they are hostile to the handicapped. This is where they were. And they go to the Herodians, and they set up this thing where they're going to now join them. Listen, they, they didn't like each other. We just don't have time to talk about them. But what I want you to see is Jesus is wanting to, to heal this man of his withered hand. And, and they have a problem with that. It's a violation of Sabbath, but they have no problem to immediately, is what it says in the text, to go out and meet up with the Herodians to try to destroy Jesus. See some irony there? Father, we just come to you as we end here this, night, this morning, and we just pray that you'll continue to be with us. We struggle, we are human, and we are frail in our bodies, we are frail in our minds. And Father, I just ask you to be with each and every one of us. Father, help us not to be closed-minded. Help us, help us not to be people who are not open to your ways. And Father, even in ways that we want to protect you and we want to protect these things that we believe are sacred, Father, help us. Help us always, especially as a minister here and elders of this church and others. Father, we just pray that all of us will, will stay in tune with you and try to, to figure out what it is that you would have us to do. And Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your son, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.